right, good morning. How's everybody? Good. Anybody want to move into the sun? Everybody's good? All right. I'm waiting. Uh, I thought maybe some people would show up with blankets this week. That, uh, that, that will, oh, we do have blankets. We do have some people that are prepared. So that is, uh, that is fantastic. And there's certainly no shame in that. Again, our goal or my goal, my hope for us is that we would be able to worship outside through November 1st. So we will see if the weather holds up for us in that regard. And thank you all for, uh, for showing up and for making that possible. So I don't remember much from being in first grade. I have a vague recollection of the classroom I was in. I know that there was a bunny that roamed freely among the students' desk. I thought it was weird at the time. I still think it's weird now. I can't remember the name of the teacher or the names of any of the kids in my class, except for one. The one name that is entrenched in my memory is John Costa. John was the cool kid at Farragut Primary School. I'm not really sure to this day what made him cool, but I do remember what I thought made him cool at the time. I thought it was because he had a Nerf football and micro machines. Who remembers what micro machines are? Micro machines, they're like these little tiny toy cars. I thought if I had a Nerf football and micro machines like John Costa, I would be all set. Other kids would see how awesome I was. The only thing holding me back from contentment in life was a Nerf football and micro machines. At some point, my parents got me these two things that in my mind were prerequisites for coolness and thus contentment. In addition to remembering John, I remember the next school day after I had the toys I needed. I walked into the classroom. I was feeling good. John was sitting in a circle with a bunch of kids. I said to him, and these are my actual words, as best as I remember them. Now I have a Nerf football and micro machines. And I turned around and walked away, thinking that I had been victorious. In my seven-year-old brain, I thought, now John will know who I am and he will be impressed. I'm quite sure that he was just confused and was like, why did that weird kid just announce that he had these toys? But in any case, that was my plan. Remembering that event decades later is embarrassing. Not so much the thought process, but that I said what I said out loud. I learned as I got older to not say things like that out loud. I didn't learn that the underlying thought pattern was incorrect. 
I continue to operate through much of my life with the belief that contentment is available if you have the right things. To get those things, you need money. In middle school, I thought I needed Air Jordans. In high school, I thought I just need to have a nice car. In my 20s, I thought when I get a nice home, that will do the trick. Now the temptation is trying to find contentment in providing my kids the things that they think will bring them contentment. Last week for our sermon series on money, we talked about faith, fear, and money. This week we are shifting our focus slightly from the way we try to assuage our fear with money to how we try to use it to buy contentment for ourselves. The two topics are closely related, but still different enough that both are worth addressing. To do that today, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. We'll be reading verses one through seven. You can use the insert in your bulletin if you like. That is from the English, English Standard Translation. You could also uh, use your personal Bible if you have that handy. We are going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. There is no one place in the Bible where the topic of money is explored at length. It just comes up all the time. I think this is because money is not an area of our life we can address independently. It is a piece of the puzzle, a thread woven into the fabric of our lives. Being a disciple of Jesus, following him, impacts every area, money included, maybe money especially. Progress towards actually being like Christ is made through addressing the areas that hold us back. 
We often look to money for things it cannot get instead of looking where we should to Jesus Christ. Money cannot buy contentment. It has certainly been tried, probably with a greater frequency than anything else in the history of the world. Throughout history, everyone from royalty to average citizens has equated more money with life satisfaction. No matter how successful a person is at getting more money, they find it cannot buy them the peace they desire. Time Magazine had an article listing the 10 richest people of all time. The list included Joseph Stalin, Augustus Caesar, Genghis Khan, and others. These are not content people. Those on the list that did seem more content are those who stopped focusing on making money and instead worried about giving it away like John D. Rockefeller and Bill Gates. Benjamin Franklin recognized the truth about money. He said, money never made a happy man a man happy yet, nor will it. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. Plato, who knew Plato was going to come up twice in the service today, said, no wealth can ever make a bad man at peace with himself. The United States at present is the ultimate experiment in whether or not money can deliver the contentment it promises. We have an extraordinary amount of wealth in our country. The United States has had the world's largest economy since 1871. Currently, our gross domestic product is $21.44 trillion. That is about $7 trillion higher than China, which is the next closest country. And they've got to divide all that between a lot more people. If California alone were an independent country, it would have the world's fifth largest economy. Despite this, Americans don't seem all that content. According to polls, people rank their happiness very lowly. Only 14% of Americans in 2020 say they are happy. Now, the question there is the 14% of people in 2020 that feel really good about what's going on. But granted, 2020 is a tough year for happiness. But even if you go back to 2018, the number is only 18%. The lie that money can purchase contentment it's hard to reject. Temporarily, it does make us content. Making money and spending money both cause our brains to light up like a Christmas tree. Actually, more than the activities themselves, it is the anticipation that goes along with these activities that really gets us going. 
The expectation of making money and spending it causes our brains to release dopamine. It is easy to become addicted to chasing that feeling. Like any addiction, the stimulation necessary for the reaction to come has to increase the more it is experienced. We always need a bigger financial high. There always has to be a better purchase on the horizon. Unfortunately, money, like every other addiction, cannot lead to sustained satisfaction. The initial rush quickly fades. A raise at work motivates for a few weeks. That new tool or pair of shoes are really exciting the first time they get used. Not so much the second, third, fourth, or fifth time. Chasing the temporary feeling money can buy will leave you a slave to money. The desire will dictate how you live your life. Love of money will lord over you if you allow it to. We need to be content with what we have. Expectations are the enemy of contentment. We have all experienced this when it comes to movies. A movie, a movie preview comes out that gets you really excited. It's going to be based on a book that you loved. Some big name actor that you enjoy watching is playing the lead. Reviews start to pour in. Rotten Tomatoes rates the movie fresh. You finally get to the theater and you pay your $12. The anticipation builds through, through the previews. Three hours later, you walk out disappointed. Compare this experience to watching a movie on TV that you didn't really hear anything about. The actor isn't one of your favorites. It is low budget and nobody you know has seen it. You are more likely to be pleasantly surprised. The Bible tells us to lower our expectations. Two weeks ago in the passage we read from 1 Timothy, Paul wrote, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Don't focus on what you don't have. Enjoy what you do. That is the Bible's simple advice to us. We need to be careful what we spend our time thinking about. Instagram will make you want more stuff. Millions of dollars are spent on commercials you see on TV to get you to feel like you need more to be content. Google makes a ton of money tracking what you search for and putting advertisements on the websites you visit. Having hobbies is great, but there's a tendency for those hobbies to cause a person they think to think they need more. Another baseball card, another gun, another outfit. Instead of thinking about what we lack all the time, we need to count our blessings. Gratitude is a spiritual discipline. Repeatedly, the authors of the Psalms give thanks. In Ephesians 5, it says, be filled with the Spirit. 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you wait until you feel like giving thanks, you just won't do it. The constant messaging we receive in the world is telling us not to focus on being thankful. It is telling us to worry about what we don't have. Even Thanksgiving, this day we have set aside specifically to be grateful, is now immediately followed by Black Friday and Cyber Monday, where we obsess over what we want. Giving thanks leads to contentment. It changes the way we think. Brain scans using fMRI machines indicate that being grateful actually changes the way our brains operate. It cuts down on negative emotions. This is weird, but true. More stuff will not actually make you content. It will just make you want more stuff. Being grateful for what you have will go farther than clicking on Amazon or swiping your credit card at Kohl's. God wants us to recognize our blessings. Ultimately, we find our contentment in Jesus Christ. Part of the contentment we seek is definitely comfort related but i think status is actually the greater driver the american experience bears this out we do not want for comfort we lack status so much of what we are looking for from money is the validation that we are succeeding at life money equals a successful life if you have a lot of money, it means that society has recognized your contribution is important and unique. Money is how we keep score. A lot means a person is winning at the game of life. A little means a person is a loser. I have mentioned before in sermons that my kids enjoy playing with Lego. And they have actually constructed a whole Lego economy. Lego pieces that look like diamonds or rubies have monetary value in this economy. They use the Lego money they created to buy and sell amongst themselves. My basement sometimes sounds like the floor of a stock exchange with offers and counter offers being passionately yelled back and forth. There's even actually an appeals court, which we won't go into. I get annoyed and remind them, guys, it's all just pretend. Just settle down. Adult money is no less pretend. 
we've all agreed that it has value, but it's really just a man-made symbol to communicate information. The only thing that gives money its power to value, validate the value of a human life is people agreeing this man-made symbol has the power to do so. God must look down at us and shake his head in the same way I do when I can hear my kids arguing in the basement over Lego currency. Come on, guys. True contentment is available in Jesus Christ alone. The love of God shown through him is the reason our lives have value. We are of value because God values us. He values us so much that he sent Jesus into this world. Our value is not dependent on our efforts. It is tied to the love of God expressed most fully in Jesus. In the verses we read today, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. One of the most striking stories in the Bible is when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus tells him to follow the commandments and also to sell all he has. Mark lets us know the young man walks away sorrowful because he had great wealth. In verse 21, just prior to telling the young man to sell everything, it says Jesus loved the rich young ruler. This guy's problem, his failure, is that he rejects Jesus' love as a source of value and identity. And he clings to this worldly treasure. We are not valuable because of what we own. Earthly status is temporary. A lot of money may indicate that you are good at playing the game of life. But it's a stupid game. There's a reason it's called a rat race. The smartest, fastest rat may win the cheese. He's still just a rat running around in a maze. Jesus shows us how we should actually be spending our lives, not winning a game of rat race. Those who know Christ have matured past such silliness. Instead of chasing contentment through establishing our value in the eyes of the world, we should rest in our status as beloved children of God. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, contentment is available to us. We only have to seek it in Him. The first great version of me thought the contentment was available if I just had the right stuff. A football and micro machines was all I needed. When I got them, I thought I'd arrived. As you might imagine, in that feeling of satisfaction passed pretty quickly. I was still not as cool as John Costa. 
Throughout my life, I have looked to a variety of things for contentment. Inevitably, I find money and everything that can be bought with it disappointing. Money cannot bring contentment. Practicing gratitude is actually a better bet than focusing on consumption. We should all certainly make the effort to give thanks daily for what we have. It is a good strategy for having a better life, a more content life that anyone can practice. Ultimate contentment can only be found in Christ. He guarantees our status. He shows God's love for us. His love is unearned. We don't have it because we own the right things or have a certain amount of money. He doesn't love us for being winners. His affinity for us is a product of the relationship he initiated. If we want to be content, we need to find our contentment in the relationship with God we were created for through Jesus' sanctifying work and the guidance of the Holy Spirit on our behalf. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we have so much, so much to be grateful for. Those sitting here today live, even in the midst of 2020 and all the jokes we make, of a time of almost unparalleled safety and security and financial wealth. There's certainly variation about the amount of money that people sitting here today might have, Lord, but we are all still tremendously blessed, Lord. We are incredibly privileged. I pray that we would remember that, Lord, that we would remember to give thanks and live lives of thankfulness, Lord. I also pray that we would remember that our contentment can be found in you through what you have already done for us, Lord. That your love has already given us a status that we did not earn and that we do not deserve. And we thank you and we praise you for that as well. We ask that you would be with us as we continue to move through our lives and that we would live lives of thankfulness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We are now